0: Hi, and welcome to episode number 178, 39 Years and Counting. Well, next week, Michael and I celebrate our 39th wedding anniversary. And actually, I would say it's hard to believe. I often say in motherhood that the days are long, but the years fly by. And I would say in marriage, sometimes the years are long, (laughs) but they do fly by. I cannot believe that we are here at 39 years. This episode that I'm going to share is from a different podcast called After Cana. You need to look it up. It's a podcast designed for young married couples to give them advice and encouragement from older married couples, maybe experiences that we had and lessons that we learned so that really they don't feel like they're alone and that they have some good mentors in their back pocket through the podcast to listen to. My daughter-in-law, Gabby, is just starting this podcast. You will hear a lot more about Michael and me and our early life together and some of the difficulties that we faced. Marriage, for anyone, is not easy. Uh, You know, you've got two people from very different families and maybe backgrounds coming together and that two shall become one happens but with a lot of work. I hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. It's really fun to make it. It's it's there are no edits in it. It's all live. So um anyway, I hope you love it. And I also wanna say thirty nine years. Um I'm I'm a little overwhelmed by it because I do remember the hard times, the sad times, the difficult times. But I look back at those times as times of growth, times where Michael really had to grow and did and times where I really had to grow and did. And when you put those difficult times together with the great times, there's really this beautiful, beautiful tapestry of a life together. So here we go, 39 years, and counting.
1: My name is Gabby Quinlan, and today I'm interviewing some very special people to me, my in-laws, um, Michael and Janet Quinlan. Welcome, guys. Hi, Gabby. Thanks for having us. Hi, Gabby. Thank you so much for being on the show with me. Um, I am particularly excited for this because I'm part of your family now, and I've gotten to see how beautiful that family is. Um, but I know that that doesn't just come from nowhere. It starts with a strong foundation of marriage Um, and your marriage is something that my husband, your son, and I really look up to. Um, So I'm just really excited to hear your wisdom today um, and hopefully learn something myself and teach some other youngsters, um, a thing or two about marriage while they're getting started. So, Thank you. We are
0: very, very happy to have you in our family. Matthew did a good (laughs) pick on you. So welcome.
1: (laughs) So sweet. (laughs) Um, So first, I'd love if you guys could just say a little bit about yourselves and just a quick introduction of who you guys are.
0: So um, Michael went to Notre Dame and I went to St. Mary's, which is across the street. And, uh, I was a young, uh, girl looking for a husband to be quite honest (laughs) and going to school at the same time. So I would go, um, I figured if I wanted to meet a good guy, I would go to the dorms for daily mass that had the cute guys. So that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) And actually I would see Michael, um, at mass and, um, we never really connected. Um, he was shy And I was in another group of people. And so we just didn't really connect so much until we met two years later. So my senior year, his second year of law school. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we met, actually, um, we had a great meeting. And um, we met at Senior Bar at Notre Dame. So it was just, um, everyone was having a great time. And I walked out of there and I said to my girlfriend, um, who I was with, I said, you know, I, I'm going to marry that guy, and she's like, "What? Why don't you just try and get a date with him?" But already I knew so much about him. He was a daily communicant. Um, mm-hmm. He seemed serious, uh, and you know, serious about life. Um, and so, for me, those were the first sort of boxes to check. And uh, and he, he was easy on the eyes.
1: <laughs> I love it. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> like, what do you have to say, Michael? <laughs> now, what's
1: your version of this? Yeah, our version, right?
2: <laughs> well, I, I grew up in a small town in Vermont, and and uh, uh, my uh, family was a, what you might call dysfunctional. My father was a uh, deeply traumatized World War II veteran, and uh, was an alcoholic, Um, and he had died just before I went away to college. So I came to college with, uh, but having had a recent, um, conversion experience from in my public high school, which I don't need to get into, but uh, I was kind of like in a certain way, a new Christian, a new Catholic. Uh, and I went to Notre Dame and I immersed myself in the Catholic culture there. And by the time I got to law school, I had a pretty clear idea of, um, what I wanted in a family if God was calling me to that. And, um, this was our my second year when we met. Now, I, Jen may not think that I noticed her from across the <laughs> chapel, but I did, and uh, but I also she I also knew about her from talking to friends in the dorm, um, and I knew that she was uh, of course obviously she was a very attractive you know woman, and um, she was very well liked and very popular, um, and um, but she was you know a couple years behind me and she had her group of friends and. And as she says, I was a little shy. So fast forward until we got to the senior bar. And just, I want to give my side of that story. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm grateful that Janet was charitable enough not to uh, indicate my level of inebriation that night. <laughs> but, but I will say this much about it. My two my two former housemates, law housemates, had taken me out to celebrate my birthday. But not that I was an idiot, but I was, I was uh, lucid enough to... In talking to Janet, she was talking about the next day she was going to go to the Northern Indiana State Hospital for the profoundly disabled and handicapped children. And it, and I, I had recalled that that was something that she did every weekend. Wow. And um, and I was, I remember thinking to myself, wow, this could be the girl. She's got a huge heart. Aww. So I didn't have, I didn't have anybody to talk to when I left the bar that night. So And I don't think that, to be honest, I really thought about whether that, you know, she was going to be the one I would marry, but it didn't take us too long because (laughs) within six or seven weeks, we decided to get married.
1: Right. And that's quick. Yeah. You guys knew right away, I guess. Yeah. You know why we, we
0: we knew because, um, and, and I had not had this, uh, level of conversation with any of the other boys I dated, but, um, we had serious conversations. I mean, our first dates were about what do you want? Um, and you know, what kind of, who do you want to be? What kind of life do you want to have? And so we really spoke very seriously with each other about what our values and our morals were. And we kind of cleared, cleared away any confusion or, you know, anything that, um, would have prevented us from saying, okay, this is the guy. So, um, Yeah, yeah. I would say that's the first hour. So I am a very uh, careful, calculating, controlled person. And the idea that I was saying yes to this guy after, you know, six weeks of knowing him was just mind-blowing to me. Anyway, you you just (laughs) said
2: you said yes to me after one evening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know I said it, but I didn't really think it would happen. And, And so what I what I really realized was, Oh, this is what God's will looks like. And that's really what I felt. I I, I really felt, this is what God's will looks like. Um, because it's, it was something out of the norm for me.
1: Sure. Yeah. You had to kind of let go and just trust. Yes. That it was the right thing. Yeah. It
2: was out of the norm for me too. I had never been engaged that rapidly.
1: (laughs) I would hope not. (laughs) no that's never never before
2: never since to be honest
1: yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) very impressive (laughs) what did you guys say to people who said that's too fast or what are you guys thinking you're so young or things like that because i know i know for us you know matthew and i are 22 but and we've dated or we've been together over two years but people still kind of make assumptions or judgments based on how long they think you should be together before you get married. So, yeah. Is there, what would you say, I guess, in that regard?
0: Yeah. Well, all my friends were like, are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, I was just so convinced uh, that he was the one for me. And I would have people say things like, but don't you want to experience life and don't you want to live alone and don't you want to go have fun and travel? Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, the answer was no, I, (laughs) I felt called to be a wife and a mother. That's what I wanted to do. And so all the other things in life, um, just were not important. And now, you know, Mm -hmm. 39 years later, do I regret getting, you know, getting married at 22 a month, two months after I graduated, Absolutely not. I mean, yeah. I, I am happier, and all those things that I thought I wanted, those experiences I thought I should have, mm-hmm. just not important at all. Yeah. So yeah, we did. I mean, I, 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 I said to my mom, <laughs> I said, <laughs> okay, when I called you and told you I was engaged, um, were you were you nervous? And my mom who said who's just very practical she said why should i care you're the one who's got to live with them oh my gosh she (laughs) wouldn't say that the way that was you know it didn't matter to her so and she knew that both of us were were um formed and mature and you know we she knew what both of us wanted in life i would say yeah that's great how about you michael anything
2: you know, I, I don't remember that anybody ever challenged me on how quickly we got engaged.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
2: that some of my guy friends were like, um, you know, knowing how uh, attractive you were, said, well, of course. <laughs>
1: you lucky guy. <laughs> I'm
2: not kidding. No, but I mean, and a lot yeah. of my guy friends also knew you and knew of you, and they knew, you know, that you were indeed someone who was worthy of being snapped up quickly, if yeah. possible, if if permitted.
1: Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so changing the note a little bit um, from this really amazing, quick engagement and marriage, what was one of the first fights you guys had? <laughs> I think I know what this story is going to be, but... I'm excited. Oh, well, we talked about this <laughs> oh, beforehand.
2: Yeah. We decided we weren't going to go with the, hot, the flying okay, hot Okay, story. okay. flying
0: hot dog story. <laughs> We're going to leave that up to everyone's imagination. It's perfect. Um, so we fought our whole first year of marriage, like wow. all this time. It's <laughs> hard great. to find.
2: It's hard to remember what was the first one. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Except that there is one. And I do want to tell this story because I think it's important. Um, uh, So I was bringing all our stuff up all the things that I had collected from people for free to put into our new first apartment. And one of them, uh, one of the items I had was my grandmother's uh, lamp. And my grandmother had died when I was a freshman in high school. And she was my best friend um, during the middle school years, which were hard years. So very still, still very emotional about her. But anyway, um, Michael took the lamp out of the car and dropped it and broke it. (sighs) Yeah, that was my... I gasped, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I turned to him, and I don't even remember what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really, of course, not happy.
1: Yeah.
0: And he said, so so, just so you have timeline, this is when, uh, after we got engaged, it's like the, the few days before we got married. Okay, so we really yeah. didn't fight during our uh, engagement period. Um, but okay. so this is a few days before we got married, and I said something to him, and he turned to me, and he looked at me sternly and he said do not ever speak to me like that again i have feelings it's just a lamp yeah and at first i was a little like yes but you don't have any idea how important that you know sure but he was yeah. 100% correct so if if i could offer advice to couples or to people who are even just um you know uh, engaged or maybe dating yeah. um, watch your tone be very, very careful about the way you speak to each other, Yeah. because it's kind of like water running over a rock. You know, it can really wear down a relationship mm-hmm. when you don't speak to each other with respect. And if if your your partner, or your you know your spouse, or your, whoever you're dating indicates that the way you're speaking is disrespectful, mm-hmm. be open to the critique. Be open to that and yeah. And and you may not mean it that way. I didn't mean to disrespect him, but I didn't think before I spoke. And so yeah. it's I, I mean that's you know a long time ago, and I still have to work on it. And I but I still remember that lesson.
2: Yeah, the thing we talked about uh, was of all the arguments we had, we can't remember what any of them was about. They were they were um, inconsequential things. And yeah. and thinking about it, it was often that I mean it was. Just getting used to each other right and, mm-hmm. and and learning how to live uh in an intimate relationship close in close proximity day in and day out and mm-hmm. dealing with all the like little things you know um and, and it was about talking to each other and talking to each other with respect i will say that um uh, one of the things i had to learn was not to cross-examine janet
1: mm. because
2: being trained as a lawyer Uh, and being having been a philosophy major and sort of being being into the argument right being into being rational and clear and linear um i i thought arguments were things that i I was supposed to convince her and if she just Mm -hmm. she couldn't follow the logic and and i you know and i wouldn't you agree with this and that kind of stuff and just it was it was kind of like beside the point right what it became was it became kind of harassing it became and it was in a certain sense disrespectful so you know, you have to. Um, men and women are different. And Janet totally. wasn't the cool, logical. Uh, she she had the she was sensitive and relational, and I was just kind of cold and wanted to march through the topic and get the things resolved. And it you just have to be sensitive to that, I think.
1: Yeah, totally. And it only took
2: us I don't know thirty five, thirty six <laughs> years to work that out. Jane.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh!
2: Yeah, yeah. that actually
1: that kind of goes into my next question for you guys, which is, are your personalities complementary, or do you tend to butt heads if you went completely based on your nature? Um, how does that kind of dynamic work within your relationship?
0: I don't think that we butt heads, but we mm-hmm. both like to be right. Yeah, who um, doesn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we, had, we had to learn to, um, consider each other's perspective, Mm -hmm. had to learn to have empathy for each other and the way they were feeling about something that was going on and really try to be curious about why, why is he responding this way? What, what did I say that made him think that? Um, or you know why am I taking what he said so seriously and so personally and mm-hmm. so um I think we just you know and that's that's a funny thing when we give talks and one of the things that i I mentioned is that that whole two shall become one thing It doesn't yeah. happen you know at the altar and then it's done <laughs> right it years and years and years to become one yeah absolutely to, yeah to to, as you said, Gabby, complement each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know his strengths. I also know his weaknesses, and he knows my strengths and my weaknesses. And so we have learned to complement each other in that regard. Yeah. That's awesome. One, one of the
2: early experiences of that was um, I'm a morning person and Jana is not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and very early on, we nearly came to blows when I would say to her, Good morning, sunshine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I
0: I put the law down. He was not allowed to speak to me until after I ate my breakfast.
1: <laughs> let alone call you sunshine. I mean. Yeah, right. Um, right. So
2: it, it, so it, on the complementarity thing, what we found over, over the course of our marriage is that um, I think our personalities are kind of similar, very much similar. We're kind of, we're, we're very, um, joke, you know, joke a lot and, and like to have mm-hmm. fun and, and so forth. Um, so we, in a certain sense, we're like each other, like that. But we have, to have yeah. we have a lot of fun with that. But it's like it, when we would go through things, there would be times when I would be down, and when mm-hmm. I was down, and I needed Janet to be up, she was up, and yeah. vice versa. And so it was like it was like we were always at, in the critical moments. We were in. Um, we would balance each other out. I guess is the way to say it.
0: Yeah, we lift each
2: other up. Yep, yeah.
0: for sure. Yeah. And I think to tell people that seek to do that Mm. rather than turning inward and being who you are and saying, this is just me. Yeah. Seek to find what your spouse needs from you Mm. and so that you can, you know, complement each other and balance each other out when you need to. Yeah. That's a really
1: selfless way to approach it.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely the
1: right way, you know, we're kind of taught in today's day and age to be self-serving and it's all about me, but yeah, I think you really are more fulfilled in a relationship when you're seeking the betterment of the other. And with that selflessness also, you know, I mean the most selfless job in the world is the job of a parent and you guys have seven amazing children. Particularly your youngest, I, I'm a fan. Um, yeah,
0: the joke that the God saved the best for last there, but don't tell the others.
1: Right. Um, so, how did your relationship kind of change as you became parents and you had to give not only to each other but to your children
2: as well? So, um, we all you know we always wanted to be parents. That was that was in fact that was one of the the, the earliest. Um, serious conversations we had, I knew that Janet was the one for me when she told me she wanted to have a zillion kids. And uh, so I think we poured ourselves into our children. Mm-hmm. Um and of course, you know, when you have a baby, it, it's, it's really impossible not to be sort of everybody. So, so, so focused on the baby.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and then the next baby comes and then you've got two. And then, you know, we, we had our kids in you know, fairly regular pattern of a year and a half apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get, then when you get it to a, like a critical number of th- three, and they you're <laughs> outnumbered, you know, and it's Uh-oh. a whole new, it's a whole new dynamic. Yeah. Um. So, so, in in many ways, I mean, there certainly was a, a challenge to our our uh, being attentive to one another.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: I know that I I really tried uh, to be attentive to Janet and helping a, a lift some of the burdens that she had that were yeah. inherent in the demands the children made on her. Yeah. Like, like once, a, once a week or so, I would change a diaper. Um, oh. <laughs> <point> <laughs> that, that's
1: <laughs> so funny.
2: <laughs> no, in truth, I, uh, I would get up and the baby would wake up in the in the night. I would get up and I would change the baby's diaper and I would bring the, the baby back to the bed. And so she didn't have to get up and she could still get to sleep. And, that's and right. things kind of yeah. think little things like that and uh, you know you just try to be um and in th- that way you serve one another even if it's it's not, it's just not the same kind of attention you, you give to each other before the children come right. but it's still it is the attention that is sometimes is often more often needed
0: yeah. in that,
2: in that environment yeah totally. yeah and i
0: think that we were really a team in raising mm-hmm. our children and so you know, when you ask, how did we, how did our relationship develop? We became closer yeah, because we saw our job as like the parent, not the mom. It, yes, we were mom and dad and all that, but mm-hmm. it seems so often in society that it's the mom's job to take care of the children, but right. that, that's not how Michael was. We were a team and we made decisions as a team. We were mm-hmm. on the same page as to uh, what, what, how we wanted to raise the children, um, you know, discipline techniques and all of that. And and when we weren't, because there were some conflicts, we talked it out. We we knew that our job was to come to consensus so that we could provide a united front to the children. And so in doing that, we became closer. Yeah, Yeah.
1: that's, yeah, that's amazing. That's what you want, for sure, because I know a lot of people struggle with that kind of losing touch with each other when their focus goes on the kids. But I think the team approach is so important. Um, And not only with kids, but with, you know, difficulties and challenges, it's so important to be united, a united front and facing whatever you're facing. And so I wanted to ask you guys, um, what was one of the most difficult periods of your marriage or the most difficult trial of your marriage.
2: Well, I, I, th- I think I mean, Janet, well, we have our perspectives on this, but certainly, mm-hmm. I think I caused challenge in, in the marriage because of the because of the, for want of a better word, baggage that I brought yeah. from my 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 upbringing. As I mentioned, you know, early on, I mentioned it deliberately because it, it plays into this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of, I was thinking of it as we were talking about the last, the last question, you know, I really, really worked at being a dad because my dad was, was, was very much not um, available. He yeah. just, he was so deeply wounded by, um, his, his, his experience in his youth in a way that I didn't even appreciate until Matt, I looked at Matthew one day, I, it was, I think we watched some World War II movie mm-hmm. and I realized that Matthew was 18 and I looked at him and I said, my dad was that age when he had to go over and fight in a war Wow yeah and uh, so um, so I I gained, I gained in that respect I gained uh, a great deal more respect for my father and I, I had a greater understanding of the, of the limitations that he dealt with but in any case there was something that was missing in our in my in my experience of his fatherhood and, and of course he died when I was when I was young so I really wanted to be a present and an active dad for for the kids. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that is, is I came from my small town background. I came to work for a big law firm in a big city, and I didn't really feel equipped. And it was a whole different environment, right, um, yeah. than I was ever used to before. And I didn't really feel equipped to kind of keep all the balls up in the air. And in fact, one of my early um, lawyers that I worked for, one of his performance reviews, it might have trouble keeping all the balls up in the air. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with how to cope with various sort of baggage from my upbringing and, and so forth. And it led to some pretty hard times, some challenge, some, some um, you know, I was struggling between, you know, spending 80, 75, 80 hours a week at the job because the job demands and feeling inadequate. And then Janet wasn't happy about that. Mm-hmm. And then feeling inadequate in both realms, and wow. that feeling of yeah. inadequacy led me to um, to uh, to cope using coping mechanisms that were uh, well, ultimately they were certainly not helpful, and ultimately became more and more destructive. And we had to deal with those things, and I had to I had to extract my we had to extract me from those things. So, though I, I would that would say that was the most difficult part. I know, I know I put Janet through a lot.
0: Yeah, and I think that. Um... <laughs> that's marriage. And I just, I don't, actually, I don't believe that there are long lasting marriages that don't go through something like that. Totally. You know, there's so much pressure from society. Um, you know, Michael talked about being a small town boy and I, and I didn't even didn't even occur to me that he might have trouble, you know, going into the slick law firm. I think yeah. he did it because he thought, I wanted that, which he was correct because at the time I, you know, I, I wanted him to have that kind of success. I wanted to, you know, have the things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I too was also trying to figure out, okay, how do I balance wanting the things and all that society is telling me I should want with what my heart is really telling me, which is just a happy, peaceful marriage and children. Yeah. so, You know, um, it's a funny thing because people who know us might say, oh, the hardest thing you've gone through was Michael's stage three colon cancer. Actually, Mm. no, it wasn't. Yeah. um, By the time he went through the cancer, of course, we were completely different people than when we were when we first started out in our marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were making decisions that supported our family life and our marriage when cancer hit when we were first married, we were still trying to have one foot, you know, in the beautiful world and one foot in, in the real world, our faith world, our values and morals. Mm -hmm. And that was just untenable. So, um, so I think that that, that is the the most difficult trial that we had is um, each of us growing um, and being the um, vehicle for growth for the other, to become the people that we think, you know, uh, we are now and still growing, of course. But yeah. you know, growth is hard; it hurts,
2: and it's inevitable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you
2: know, so yeah. one of the things one of the things I would say, to young young people in any relationship or anybody in any relationship, mm-hmm. they, the the relationship is, is a is a, a a living thing and it has to grow. And if it's not growing, it's dying. And um, so you have to tend to it like a garden and you, but you have to expect change and you have to explain, you have to kind of ex, in a certain way, expect the unexpected. And I remember there was somebody who, who once uh, said uh, early in one's marriage, I, I don't know, you know, so something that was um, a problem for the spouse and mm-hmm. the person said, I, why can't you just accept me the way I am? That might've been me. <laughs> <laughs> we we can't we, we can't even accept ourselves as we are right. We're always right. should be striving for our own improvement, our own growth and virtue, our own um, growth really in a in a sacrificial mindset of self giving, self emptying, because yeah. ultimately that's where we're going to find our true fulfillment as human beings is in serving others.
0: Yeah, and I just want to add to that that um, we could not have gone through things that we went through. um, If we didn't have a deep and uh, active prayer life.
2: Um,
0: I I think so many people want to try and do it. And they think God is like the ornament on the tree. And actually God has to be like the tree, you know, that's so, so part of your life. And I, and when people ask us, because we're, we feel very blessed and grateful that all seven of our children are, active catholics and go to mass and um while i 100 percent give the credit to god i do think that we breathed our faith in our life it wasn't something that we did on sundays Hmm. it was about who we were and and i think that we did that um well partly because that's just our value but also because um we need michael and i needed it individually and as a couple yeah, to get through the difficult times, to keep perspective, to to um keep in our mind's eye what our end goal was. yeah, so, yeah, active prayer life for sure
1: that's yeah, so important. It goes with the idea of, you know, when you get married, it's the two of you are celebrating the mass, the the sacrament together. You know, it's you and God. As you grow together, your relationship with God must grow or else, you know, something's going to give. So, yeah. And I, I love that idea. Michael, you said earlier about tending your relationship. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys, how do you tend your romantic relationship and your relationship of friendship yeah. that you guys started out with 39 years
2: ago? Well, I'll say on a really practical level mm-hmm. for you guys out there. As tough as it is when you come home, and you want to relax. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think that if the first thing you do is take the burden off your wife and with the kids and things like that, um, that is such a sign of um, of uh, regard for her day and her her needs at that moment. Because keep in mind, it's difficult, which isn't diminished how difficult your days and some days you're not going to be able to do this because of it. But like, like when dinner was over, Jana Jana would have the dinner ready and we'd have dinner. And as soon as dinner was over, I would say, okay, kids, we're going to clean up and mom's going to go relax and take a hot bath and and have some time for herself by herself. And uh, we would, we would go through the evening ritual so that by the time she was, uh, you know, um, relaxed I'd have the kids, I'd have the dinner cleaned up, I'd have the kids cleaned up and ready for bed and we would do our prayers together. And, and that always made the time that Janet and I had after bedtime, uh, um, certainly I think uh, uh, more relaxing and more, we were more available to each other. And for me anyway, I found as, as hectic as it was to deal with the kids, it was so different than what I had to put up with during the day. And it was it was refreshing. It really was refreshing. <laughs> and we would yeah. we would make fun of we'd have fun of it. And kind of some sometimes it was better that Janet was off doing her thing because she probably would have been annoyed by some of the things that we did. or <laughs> the fun stuff that we did.
1: Those hooligans.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, and and I would say that um, you know intimacy is is broad. There's all mm-hmm. different ways to be intimate with your spouse. Um, we tend to think in this sexualized society that it's all about having sex yeah um, which is important but if you look at you know your day it's like you know a minuscule part of a day right so yeah. we have to be really attentive to sharing intimacy throughout the day mm-hmm. now i know that uh, when we were your age you know when we were young in in our 20s and 30s or there was not a phone that distracted us. Yeah, And so we had the ability, even though I have friends who didn't take advantage of it, but we had the ability to connect, to look Mm -hmm. in each other's eyes, to talk, to listen, to, you know, and now so many people are on their phones. The phones are such a distraction. Yeah. Um, Instantly. Yeah. we,
2: We didn't have video games or Netflix either. There is so much and art. The TV we had was 17 inches black and white (laughs) when we first got married. We're reaching way back into the dark ages (laughs) (laughs) technologically, But, you know, I think that if we turn the gadgets off and look into each other's eyes and spend time together, talking and talk about the things of the day, we can, you know, whatever. Um, Mm. but having that personal contact. And I think that, that, that is, um, that also enhances the, the, this, the uh, romantic uh, intimacy as well.
0: Totally. Yeah. yeah we have another son and, and his wife and they had a no phone zone. So in the family room and in the kitchen, no phones were allowed. Yeah. We've gotten so used to this idea that if, if there's a beep or a buzz or something, we have to look at it. So yeah. what are we saying to the people, you know, across the dinner table or on the couch next to us? You don't have to look at it, but, but Mm -hmm. uh, we've been trained, you know, like Pavlov's dog to get right at it as soon as the bell rings and we have to step back because it is, I, I'm not anti-phone, but we are losing intimacy and you can't get to 39 happy years
1: Mm -hmm.
0: without intimacy all, you know, all day long. So we, Mm -hmm. we look, we look at each other, we talk to each other, we laugh a lot. Um, and then really together we share in our children. So I think that's how, was your question, how to <laughs> 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 how grow in our relationship? I hope that's what it was. Cause yeah, I know
1: how to, <laughs> yeah, pretty much keeping your friendship and your romance. Yeah, yeah. And that's and also one, important.
0: one more thing. Um, so, so I heard this at a retreat. San Jose Maria said, treat your husband like he is your first child. Not to treat him like he's childish, but he is that that most beloved human mm-hmm. that you just gush over and you know you love over and you want to take a billion pictures over and mm-hmm. and we don't do that as soon as we have children. It's like the husband you know he he goes off to the side no yeah. all all of your focus goes on him like he's your he's your first love as he is and should be right.
2: I think the flip side for, for guys is especially since we're out of the home so much during the day, if, if, depending on what our job is, um, um, is to make those little contacts during the day. And that's one of the great benefits of the the gadget is that I can send Janet, um, kissy face emojis or something like that when, when I, you know, I, um, or, or to make a call and, and, uh, I think most of us. I mean, some of us have jobs. We can't do that. We, but, but maybe when you go on your lunch break, you know, make make a call, leave yeah. a message, uh, you know, send a send a little text message. Uh, just say I love you. Sure. Um, those are simple things that can be done, and uh, I think for men, you really, we have to be we have to be very conscious that we don't take our our wives for granted. Mm. We we that we show appreciation for what she does and uh, thank her for, for things great, you know, great and small in the yeah. house and, and the work that she does and, uh, and, and the way she takes care of the, the home and the family. Um, show appreciation.
1: Yeah, those little things are so important. And yeah, as a very new wife, I can say every time he says something sweet to me, it makes my whole day, you know, it, it really means more than it seems like it it would, but mm-hmm. yeah, even putting your phone down and saying, how are you, you know, making really small, what seem like small efforts, they, they really do bring you together at the end of the day. It's so important and really good advice, but uh, what has surprised you about marriage?
0: Um, how difficult and beautiful it is. Difficult and rewarding. I I thought if I just chose the right guy, who ticked all the boxes I had set up for him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we would be happy. Yeah. And what I did not realize was that um, marriage is—I uh, think Michael's mentioned it before. It is—it is a growth process, and not for him, but for me. And yeah. so. Um, it has been the hardest. I used to say, well, I still do. Homeschooling, with regards to children, homeschooling was the hardest and best experience I've ever done. Wow. But in my life, my marriage was the hardest and most rewarding and happy experience I've ever had. Wow,
1: oh, that's beautiful.
0: Okay, top that, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I think the most surprising thing about uh, marriage is that it's more and more surprising all the time that i do remember I, I do remember sitting in sacred heart church bawling because before the before our wedding because it was wicked hot no 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 that's not why <laughs> oh
1: man um, <yeah. laughs> you really had me there <laughs> uh,
2: just being so grateful to god because this is going to be all of my dreams come true yeah. and janet was so great and you know, we were getting married in the church and, and I had this idea of Mm -hmm. what marriage would be like and having a family, but it is, it is so far we've had our tough times, but so Mm -hmm. far where we are right now, if you told me 39 years ago, what to expect in 39 years, I, I could not have begun to even imagine how, uh, joyful and fulfilled, um, and, um, really sublime in It's kind of a strange way to put it that that my life would be with Janet and mm-hmm. our family that we've built together. It is yeah. um, just it just exceeds all of my all of my fondest uh, uh, imagination. And, and it seems as though with with, you know, as time goes on and, and new daughters are added to our family as they were back <laughs> before Thanksgiving and new grandchildren and new, you know, new new um, that we will. It just, it just gets better and better. It's better and better. I knew it'd be good. I just didn't know it'd be this good.
1: Gosh, you're making me almost tear up. That's yeah. That's amazing. Let's
2: see if I can work on this some more.
1: (laughs) Hey, (laughs) no, I, I can see it in you too. How strong your love is for each other. And I think It's hard to see that with a lot of couples who've been together for a long time, but you guys seem so in love still. And I know you are, and that's a beautiful thing to look up to. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and these great stories. Um, We really appreciate it myself and all the young couples who are going to hear this. So um, I would love if you guys would Join me in praying the
2: prayer to Our Lady of Ferris Love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Pray for us, Fairest Mother, to strengthen and bless our families. Help those called to marriage to find their spouses and teach them to love with a pure and selfless love. Accompany parents in the upbringing and education of their children with unconditional love. Help those who have answered the Father's call to the consecrated life or to the apostolic celibacy to be generous and faithful to their vocations. Bring peace, unity, and joy to the homes of families that are broken or burdened. Accompany with the warmth of your presence those who are alone. You are Mater Pulcre Dilectionis, the mother of beautiful love. Help us to love as Jesus loves, so that we may show each other love full of mercy and forgiveness. May all our love and affections be always faithful pure and chaste dear mother be our refuge in our material and sp- spiritual needs and intercede especially for all of our family may we grow in love and come to know true peace and joy now and in life to come in heaven
0: amen amen, amen. thank you
1: so much that was a great episode and we really enjoyed having you on
0: thank you for having us
2: Kathy. thank you for having us
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of After Cana. If you enjoyed listening, share it with a friend, subscribe and leave a review or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.
0: Do you have a life coach who helps you be the woman you want to be? The woman God has called you to be? Who helps you sort through your marriage or parenting difficulties and helps you create the mindset you need to embrace your vocation with joy and gratitude? If you're looking for a coach, I would be so honored to help you. Email me at janet at